Lockdown Diaries with Jack Kirby Love, episode 5. Good morning everyone. Um, it is Sunday the 29th of March. We are an hour ahead in the future. Not that time seems to have any meaning whatsoever anymore uh, to anyone, um, broadly speaking. I hope everyone is okay and well and is having or has had a nice weekend. I'm having a very, I don't know, I'm starting to be a slightly um, just cooped up and indoors, a little bit cabin fevery. I think my um, diary update yesterday reflected that, not too much to report on. So I've tried to be a bit more structured in what I'm talking about today. Um, as it's becoming apparently quite evident, sort of structure and rituals that I do are, um, are quite important to me. Um, I've learned and found out I am a bit of a creature of habits. And I think that's really expressed with what I'm going to talk about a bit today, which is the arrival of the Saturday Guardian yesterday. Now, the arrival of a newspaper probably isn't the most exciting thing to talk about in the world, but without wishing to sound too sad and pathetic, um, I, I subscribe to the Guardian on Saturdays and it, it generally is a real highlight of my week, getting the Saturday paper and all the different bits and pieces and going through it. I really like it. I know the Guardian um, isn't perfect, I guess. Um, I know there are, there are journalists that work for it whose views and things, they, I don't necessarily agree with all of them, but I, on balance, I think it's, you know, well, for people of, uh, left-wing persuasion, um, I think it's the only real meaningful or certainly the biggest um, news outlet that speaks to my um, thoughts, feelings and political leanings. And I genuinely think it's a, a well-written and well-produced paper. Um, and I really want to support the work it does. Um, and if, uh, and, you know, uh, I don't subscribe every day, but having just the one weekly thing I feel like is doing my thing, I certainly... Uh, consume a lot of their content online and I you know I listen to their football podcasts and their Today in Focus podcast as well which is all content that is completely free and of a very high quality so I feel like the least I can do is offer a subscription is uh, purchase a subscription normally that's a little book of vouchers that I go to the news agents and get a, um, a copy of the paper in exchange for but um, in the isolation era uh, I've upped that to a um, a delivery, which means I'm also getting the Observer as well. Uh, you can't just get the Saturday one delivered, as far as I'm aware. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But um, yeah, so hopefully that's helping print journalism, particularly at the moment. Um, so at <laughs> the risk of being a little bit tedious, I thought I'd go through uh, what's in The Guardian and how I consume it and things, because it is a little bit, again, as I say, it's slightly ritualistic. Um, it comes in all different chunks on a Saturday and uh, I really like it. <laughs> so you get a glossy magazine, which is usually very interesting. Uh, there's always three or four uh, good articles in that, uh, often quite long form, sometimes silly, sometimes quite serious. Um, but yeah, they're really, really good. Um, in the magazine, you've also got a column from Tim Dowling, who is just hilarious. He finds hilarity in mundanity and is just a fantastic writer. His column about his family life every week just is always very, very funny. Uh, and you've also got the best cartoonist uh, that I'm aware of working today. Um, so Stephen Collins um, at the back on the back page has a, a cartoon panel and it, it's just his sense of humour and mine 
must be very much aligned because he just seems to nail um, sometimes they're generally broadly sort of topical um, and he just seems to really capture um, broadly what I'm thinking but in a very funny way and often quite surrealist uh, he is wonderful you should absolutely check out his work if you are not aware of Stephen Collins cartoons they're absolutely fab I'll stop going on about that uh, so you also get um, a food magazine called Feast, which is really good. I save all of the copies of Feast since they had their redesign to the tablet, tabloid format. Um, I've kept them all, so there's 100 and something. I get the nice binders. I really am a bought-up Guardian guy, I guess, but there you go. Sorry. Um, and I really like the Feast magazine. They're really, it's really, again, um, I like cooking. I really like cooking. I try and, you know... I'm one of those people that gets cookbooks and gets cooking magazines and just loves going through them. Uh, but probably the amount of recipes I actually take on and try is a very, very, very small percentage of, of the ones that I look at and read. But I still enjoy it and I, I will take ideas and things every now and again, um, if not entire recipes and adapt. Um, Mira Soda um, has a regular, um, a regular column, recipe, I guess, in the Feast magazine. She's absolutely wonderful as well. Um, uh, vegetarian food, um, usually with um, um, sort of often sort of Pan Asian um, influences as well. I own her cookbook, um, which is called East. Again, sort of different recipes, um, sort of Southeast Asian, Indian, all kinds of uh, there's influences from all over the continent, and it is just such a wonderful book. Um, honestly, um, it's it's. I love cookbooks. The recipes are great in it, but it's also just so beautifully presented. I really recommend that book if you if you like that kind of cuisine and if you um, are a vegetarian as as I am, um, then it's it's a must read. I would suggest just even if you never cook a recipe out of it, just looking through it and reading it and how beautifully it's written and how beautifully it's presented is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, that's the Feast magazine which I save. I also save the Review magazine which is there um books um reviews sort of um arts and culture slightly but no it's predominantly books um i keep those as well they've got interviews of authors and things um nice perspectives and stuff um but it's just a really good resource for flipping through if you need a book recommendation um particularly they do sort of a roundup every on a sort of a quarterly basis rotating through sort of crime thrillers uh children's books poetry and then science fiction once a month, science fiction and fantasy. They, a lot of the the books that I've read over the last couple of years have been pulled from those recommendations, uh, including the book I'm currently reading, which I might talk about in a future episode. So yep, the review magazine is also really good. Uh, you've got the travel section, which I never really read. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't seem to care about travel. <laughs> Apparently, I flip through it to see if it's got anything to do with Scarborough, Yorkshire or Southeast London which is where I live and have lived and grew up. And if it doesn't feature that, I'm not really interested, which I, I guess gives you a perspective on my opinions on travel. Um, yeah, I'm not a, not a, not a travelling guy. But anyway, so that's the only part I don't really pay much attention to. Um, you've got the sports section, uh, which is great. The football coverage in The Guardian is fantastic. Right now, the sports sections are very, very slim, weirdly enough. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how much longer they'll be putting a sports section out, but um, yeah, uh, when it when football resumes and the rest of sport resumes, it, I'm sure that the section will again become uh, 
a little treasure trove of great writing. Um, I guess, again, one of the highlights in that section is uh, Barney Rone, um, who is, uh, uh, I've lost the word, he's a slightly uh, fantastical writer, uh, whimsy, whimsy, he's a whimsical football writer, that's the word I was looking for, um, and often employs convoluted and slightly silly metaphors in his writing, broadly about football, he does write about uh, other sports as well. Um, but yeah, he's great. Uh, I'd recommend his column on a, on a weekly basis, which is obviously available on the website for free if you don't want to read the paper. So, you know, no no harm, no foul. Uh, the main paper itself, the news paper, is, uh, is obviously good. Um, this week, they've got, um, on the second page, they've got a, um, a piece. I mean, the news is just obviously absolutely dominated the coronavirus um, at the moment. Uh, and again, I don't know, there seems to be, it, yeah, the headlines are dominated by that. And it has, usually it's, they're very clear about um, what's a news article and what's an opinion piece. And at the moment, I think in a sort of a, a morale raising thing, they've got a little bit more, sort of a slightly more, a few op uh, opinion type pieces. Um, or, um, I don't know, yeah, perspectives, I guess. Um, in the front i think that's just again so it's just not all completely doom and gloom and at the beginning of this uh, of saturday's paper and again look this up online um francesca melandri who is an author not someone i was aware of but she's written an article called letter from italy which is again really interesting and sort of a mixture of um like scary stuff some hopeful stuff um some fun stuff as well and it's it's from the perspective that she's writing from Italy and she's writing from the future because obviously Italy is that much further down the line in terms of uh, dealing with the virus. Uh, I'm sure everyone is keeping abreast of headlines and things and yeah it's quite scary just how how badly it's affected Italy and it's it's sort of a warning it's also sort of a message of hope what she's written here um, telling us what we can expect the things we can expect to think and feel and see happening uh, and that was really really well written as well so i'd recommend looking that up if you if you can um the way i conceive the main paper so I've, uh, as i said i sort of started subscribing when they changed the tabloid format it's sort of a i felt like a reasonable thing to do um but last october i, I don't know i would sort of read it over the weekend i don't know how people read a paper every day i certainly don't have the time or concentration the honestly one big chunky saturday paper if i'm not disciplined it can see me through the whole week um but yeah, the way I consume it, I felt like I was reading it and not taking enough of it in and not remembering stuff. And so I've sort of started diarising the news a little bit, which I, I don't know. Again, it's very OCD. It's very ritualistic. It's very, this is a guy that likes to have routines. Uh, but yeah, I, I found it quite an interesting thing. So I started on the 19th of October and I've, uh, I'm over halfway of the notebook I've got. Um, getting towards the end of it, filling it up with just bullet-pointed stories and things. So I thought I'd just uh, read out a few of the um, the ones from that very first entry. So it's quite interesting, actually. You can see um, uh, as the entries go through, it's dominated by Brexit, then the general election, then, I don't know, a little bit of respite after that, I guess. And then, obviously, it's just increasingly all about the coronavirus. Um, so yeah, news stories from Saturday, the 19th of October, 2019, which really does feel like a lifetime ago. 
so the headline, the front page headline was the PAE Prime Minister faces Brexit extension even if a deal is passed. Um, so yeah, that you'll remember that. That's when they were trying to get Brexit done by the 31st of October, which obviously didn't happen. Turkey was accused of using white phosphorus in Syria. Brains don't accept death. There's something that can happen to them. Uh, the first all-female spacewalk happened. Uh, what else have we got? Um, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, was talking about depression and mental health. Um, you had the whole situation with Anasakoulis, who, uh, who I, I mean, I don't, I don't know from a legal perspective how you describe this, but um, she hit and killed a young man in the UK. She was a diplomat. Oh, no, she was... Look that up. I don't want to misrepresent anything, but that situation's going on. Trump was setting up the meeting with the family. Um, what else was happening? There were some good ones, actually. Um, Sainsbury's banned the sale of fireworks to protect animals. So obviously, that would be in the build-up to uh, bonfire night, Halloween, I guess. An 81-year-old man was jailed uh, for being a getaway driver, which he started doing to combat loneliness, which is sort of a... I don't know, sublime to the ridiculous to the quite sad story in there. Um, there was fresh writing in Catalonia regarding the heavy sentences that the pro-independence leaders uh, were facing. Uh, what else? The Booker Prize was shared between two um, authors, so Margaret Atwood and Bernadine Evaristo. That was interesting as well. Uh, anything else major? Yeah, uh, racist abuse being suffered by England footballers. That was quite a hot talk, uh, talking point at the time. Um, this is interesting. So CQC declared that 52% of A&E units were providing substandard care because they were understaffed. So, yeah, that bodes well, doesn't it? Uh, and there were a couple of film reviews as well. So they had Official Secrets, which had 4 out of 5, and Sean the Sheep Farmageddon, which also had 4 out of 5. So that's my paper. So I've been taking those notes and I will be, I've been doing that again as the moment. I've not got through it all at the time of recording, but uh, I will. And then finally, I just wanted to save this bit of the, the paper to talk about for last. You've got the, the journal section, which is sort of the opinion columns and ideas and where they're, they're put mostly. So um, Marina Hyde, who is just wonderful. Um, she's one of the best writers that we have satirists i don't know what you'd call her exactly but um every week she writes a scathing sort of column uh, generally on, on on politics broadly um and she just eviscerates everyone and anyone she's very very good um incredibly talented uh she also writes in football as well um uh, not in this section, but yeah. So uh, I definitely recommend Marina Hyde's columns that she generally trends on Twitter whenever she puts them out on a Thursday or Friday morning. Um, and yeah, there was just a really good um, column in this one. Again, another column from someone based in Italy. So Tobias Jones, who uh, is uh, an author of a, a book about um, Italian ultras. Uh, I don't think I'm aware of him. There's another book out at the moment about... Um, firms and ultras and and all that uh, uh, who's been sort of in the public eye and writing stuff and on podcasts and things so i don't think it's him uh but uh could be wrong um but yeah he wrote a really good thing and one thing i don't know something that i'm thinking about a bit which this article speaks to is um is what 
you know, in a post-coronavirus world, when we're hopefully when the virus is contained or the vaccine has been rolled out and life is back to normal, like what will change? What will we learn as a society? What will we think about? What will what actions will will come out of this? And I mean, again, I've said this before. I think it's sort of unhelpful to to think about it and draw similarities to the war and things but it's what is happening and i guess in terms of social upheaval it's probably it's probably fair to 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 look at in that way but like you think about what happened in 1945 and and in the years after the second world war despite the popularity of churchill a labor government was subsequently elected you had the welfare state established in the nhs and they talk about how you know people from all different class backgrounds who were all put on the front line together and it sort of it changed how we view class in a way in in britain which i mean obviously there's still massive 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 issues that are remain and probably have got are different and got worse since then but uh, you know there was a response and society did change in a different way as a result of that and you have to think what will happen um you know following the coronavirus and and how we view people and things and I just wanted to read a couple of extracts from this article please do go and look at it and check out Tobias Jones and what else he's done but I, I won't read it all obviously but there's a couple of paragraphs that I really like so reading from his article it's called small small comforts as Italian life slows down I'm sure you can find it by googling so it's beneficial too for us all to realize how much we have taken for granted not just grandparents and elementary freedoms but the idea that our every demand will in oil slick capitalism be instantly met by supply a few weeks ago, we would have been indignant if a supermarket didn't have a product we wanted. We had almost persuaded ourselves that it was a human right to be able to buy guacamole or cider at 3am. Now we're waking up to the truth that resources are scarce and that in our finite world, there won't always be enough to go around. The notion that we need to dial down our greed and increase our patience and sharing might finally go mainstream. Uh, a little bit later on, we can no longer fail to notice those we have previously overlooked. We suddenly see that those who are still working in public risking their own health, the cashiers, couriers and nurses, are those paid a pittance and often with no contractual commitments from their employers. Never has it been so apparent that our society is built on exploitation. And just in conclusion, he writes, Crisis capitalism is coming into sharp focus. In recent days, some companies have irreparably damaged sorry i can't speak have irreparably damaged their reputations through breathtaking meanness others have shown themselves to be either genuinely compassionate or brilliant at pr or both i'm clutching at straws i know but it does feel as if the world's reset button has been pushed as if we're defragging society's hard drive once we boot up again we might find ourselves in a better place anyway i i thought that was really really well written and again <laughs> I guess um, a bit like with Stephen Collins, it, it's really nice to read something that sort of captures the thoughts and feelings you're having but can't quite articulate or put into words on a page or, or speech. So again, I thought that was really, really good. And that was uh, that was in this Saturday's uh, journal section of The Guardian. You've also got letters in this bit, which are generally uh, quite interesting. And there's always a few quite funny ones. You've got the obituaries. And my favourite bit, or another of my favourite bits, is you've got the birthdays, famous people's birthdays um, from Saturday and Sunday. And I like to play the birthday game. Um, 
<laughs> which Richard Osman has stolen and made into a successful podcast. Um, but it's really cool. You, what you do is you read out uh, the famous person's name, whose birthday it is, and then your friends and family have to guess how old they are. Um, so we can do that. I'll read out a couple. So yesterday, Saturday, it was Lady Gaga's birthday. It was Michael Parkinson's birthday. And it was Angela Rayner's birthdays. So you can have a little think about how old you think all those might have been. Gaga, Parkinson and Rayner. Uh, today, Sunday, birthdays of Eric Idle, John Major and Pretty Patel, among others. There are quite a lot of others, including, let's have a look. There's always some really sort of obscure people. So Dame Louise Kersey, former government integration star. So yeah, if you if you become a integration star for the government, you get your birthday in The Guardian. Um, so yeah, those birthdays, uh, now you've all had some adequate thinking time. Lady Gaga, 34 yesterday. Parker, 85. And Angela Rayner was 40. And today we're wishing a very happy birthday to Eric Idle, 77. Uh, John Major, 77. And who was the other one? Pretty Patel, 48, which surprised me. I didn't think she was as old as 48, but there you go. Um, bully for her. Uh, right, cool. <laughs> That's some humour there. Um, right, so um, that was sort of the review of the paper. Eat your heart out, Andrew Marshall. Um, just other updates from yesterday. So um, I had a bit of a catch up with some pals, uh, my friends from back home in Scarborough on a platform called Jitsi which was very nice, um, toddlers everywhere, uh, people calling me in from all over the country and in America as well, so uh, my pal Ben, who's in Maryland, um, and that was nice to catch up. Jitsu, not a platform I'd used, uh, it seems to be a bit more business focused, um, sort of you can share files and record bits and pieces, so that was really nice to catch up with them for an hour or so. In the evening, I did a bit of cooking myself, I made a chili, uh, I cooked that with some green lentils, which I've not used before. I bought a relatively big bag of lentils. Uh, it's good, not not in the not in the lockdown phase, but uh, first time cooking with them, which I don't think they really tasted of anything, but they bulked out the thing, so that was a job well done for them. Uh, I also combined them with a sort of a can of uh, mixed beans. So Heinz do these, but Sainsbury's also have their own brand, so it's just various different beans in tomato sauce again good for a veggie chili um really cut i'm more or less running out of fresh vegetables and things at this point so i was trying to ration them out so i used half a pepper a quarter of an onion some garlic cloves so that was uh, a chili as well which is more or less what amounted to the fresh veg um there were some sun-dried tomatoes which i've got a big jar of which i'm very into at the moment them fried up are just mm, delicious um some dried tomatoes, a little carton of chopped tomatoes as well, of course. So that was sort of the bulk of it. And then I added some flavour, a little dash of barbecue sauce, a bit of ketchup, uh, a lot of uh, chipotle Tabasco sauce, which is another favourite of mine. Bit of red wine vinegar. Red wine vinegar is my latest sort of, uh, I don't know, must-have in every dish. It just You just add it and it adds tanginess to food and it is yummy absolutely great if you're not on board the red wine vinegar train i thoroughly recommend it um uh some papri not paprika yeah paprika some paprika some chili powder salt pepper all that good stuff and yeah just to add a slight bit of uh you know um 
I'd hesitate to say authentic, but you know, uh, chili vibe to it. I, I would normally add a bit of dark chocolate or cocoa powder. Couldn't find that, but in my mother-in-law's cupboards, she did have some drinking chocolate. So I put a teaspoon of that in and it actually was quite nice. Add a bit of sweetness as well. Um, served that up with some microwavable piri piri rice uh, and a couple of bit of grated cheese on top. Some uh, Doritos on the side and that was quite a nice dinner. And I had lots left over, so I've got two more meals out of that at least. So that was good. I it was quite comfort food to be honest. I really enjoyed that, and I ate that whilst watching YouTube videos on um, making guitar kits that you can get off eBay and how to paint them. So that's a future ambition of mine that I've held for a while. You can get them for about um, I don't know, ranging from about 130 to about 180 quid. You can send away and get these guitar kits to DIY. So you get a body, a neck and the electronics obviously you need to provide your own strings and things and that's something i want to do at some point uh, if i save up a bit of money i'll get it for a birthday or something um so i was looking into them and the reviews obviously they're not i'm sure as good quality as buying an actual uh high-end guitar far from it but uh, they do look quite fun to make not not overly difficult i do have a, a gcse on electronics so that's probably fine but yeah i watched quite a few videos on how to put those together and uh, how to paint them as well they just come un unpainted wood um and yeah you can leave it like that or you can paint it so i was just picking up some tips from that so again i mean who knows how long we'll have to be here uh, i'm hoping to move back to my actual home which is a bit more space and uh, uh and things so and crucially um a shed slash workshop so i can uh, you know maybe if we're still in this situation I'm not spending money on going out. I could get uh, send away for a guitar kit and uh, make one of them. That would be a fun project, wouldn't it? I've been saying that for over a year, though, so, yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> anyway, um, I hope that... Uh, I, I'm going to stop now. <laughs> I hope that was okay. I'm sorry to bang on about how much I love The Guardian. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I hope you can forgive me that. Um, I, I felt a bit better about updating today. I think yesterday was a little bit at a bit of a loose end and didn't have much to say so obviously I've spoken a lot longer now so hope that was interesting and useful do have a look at those writers and and articles that I mentioned they are absolutely fab um and yeah have a lovely Sunday or Monday whenever you listen to this or I don't know it could be in the far distant future of 2020 October when either this all seems like a long distant memory or this was the good times before it all got terrible. I hope it's the former. Anyway, um, I'll be updating again soon. Uh, give me a shout if you need anything. And uh, goodbye. <laughs>